Father God, Lord, thank you, Lord, for this time, Lord, that we can come, Lord, and just remember your work on the cross, Lord. And remember, Lord, the sacrifice, Lord, that you made for us, Lord. Lord, and help us remember, Lord, that you died for us, Lord, Amen. that you loved us, Lord, that much, Lord, and you did not stay there, Lord, but you are risen, Lord. You are seated at the right hand of God, Lord. Help us, Lord, to realize this, Lord, and know what it means to us, Lord. Amen. We pray as Phil, um, share us your word, Lord, that you would be with him, Lord. Lord, open our hearts, Lord, and our minds, Lord, that we may understand, Lord, and apply it to, Lord, our lives. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pat. Well, we haven't been gone long, but it's wonderful to be back. And um, the word on the street is the Gastons have gone, so they changed the locks of the church door. Praise the Lord. In uh, studying my subject this morning, um, I think we could just about read the whole of the Bible. Um, and the Lord has laid it quite firmly on my heart this morning that uh, this Easter message should be a gospel message. And I don't know how many people in this room have not heard the gospel. But there may be some who haven't heard it preached, well, I make no apologies. You're going to hear it this morning. And in hearing that message, what is particularly on my heart is to share with you first what Jesus has done. And then, secondly, what are you going to do? I heard our brother, Mr. Boyens, preached a very good message last week, was it, about our responsibility to God. It begins at the cross. And what I love about this church here in Hamilton is there's so many brothers here that bless me and give me words and thoughts for my messages. And you all know who you are, but I was speaking to one in particularly that's generally to blame for giving me a message from the Lord. And we were talking about the sufferings of the Lord Jesus. So turn with me, would you please, to Luke's Gospel in chapter 23. <clears throat> Sorry, we'll read Mark's version first. Mark's Gospel. Chapter 15, Mark 15, and we'll start um, in verse 27. And with him, with Jesus, they crucified two robbers, one on his right hand and one on his left. And the scripture was fulfilled which says he was reckoned with the lawless. And they that passed by reviled him, 
shaking their heads and saying, Aha! You that destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself and descend from the cross. In like manner, the chief priests also, (coughs) with the scribes mocking with one another, said he saved others. Himself he cannot save. Let the Christ, the King of Israel, descend now from the cross that we may see and may believe. And they that were crucified with him reproached him. Verse 33, And when the sixth hour was come, there came darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which is being interpreted, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of those who stood by when they heard it said, Behold, he calls for Elias. And one running and filling a sponge with vinegar fixed it on a reed and gave it to him to drink, saying, Let him alone. Let us see if Elias comes to take him down. And Jesus, having uttered a loud cry, expired. And the veil of the temple was rent in two from the top to the bottom. And the centurion who stood by over against him, when he saw that he had died, having cried out, said, Truly, this man was the Son of God. And now Luke's Gospel, chapter 23 and verse 44. It's the same event. It was about the sixth hour, verse 44, and there came darkness over the whole land to the ninth hour, and the sun was darkened, and the veil of the temple rent in the middle. And Jesus, having cried with a loud voice, said, and Mark doesn't record this, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he died. The Acts of the Apostles in chapter 17. This scripture was referred to at our brother's funeral last week. Verse 30 of chapter 17 of the Acts of the Apostles. God, therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, now enjoins men that they should all, everywhere, repent. Because he has set a day in which he is going to judge the habitable earth in righteousness by the man whom he has appointed, giving the proof of it to all in having raised him from the dead. And when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked and they said, we'll hear you again concerning this. Turn with me again to that wonderful resurrection chapter of 1 Corinthians, chapter 15, 1 Corinthians 15. 
The wonderful thing about the gospel is that you've got license with the scriptures. And verse 55, the last part of 54, death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your sting? Where, O death, your victory? The sting of death is sin. Power of sin, the law. But thanks to God who gives us the victory by our Lord Jesus Christ. And finally, the last few verses of the Bible. Revelation chapter 22. And part way through verse 16, which begins, I, Jesus, I am the root and offspring of David, the bright and morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let him that hears say, come. And let him that is a thirst come. He that will. He that will. Let him take of the water of life freely. Verse 20, he that testifies these things says, yea, I come quickly. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. It was pointed out to me this morning and it was on my spirits through the supper and I think it was on the brother's spirit that pointed it out to me. We place a lot of emphasis on Easter Sunday, on resurrection. But what about the Monday after? And what about the month after? And what about two months after? And there are times when we place a lot of emphasis momentarily on his death. But what about every day? Jesus died and rose again. I love what our brother brought before us this morning. How wonderful. <coughs> and I was having a discussion with another brother, and he was talking about how the movie that they made about the sufferings of Jesus seemed to spend a lot of time relating his physical sufferings. <clears throat> but I want to tell you this morning that there was something far more terrible than the physical sufferings of Jesus. Oh, you say, but he was beaten. He was spat upon. He was wounded. He was whipped. How true. What suffering. But you know what, my friend? The suffering that Jesus went through at the hands of Almighty God was far greater ever than any of the physical sufferings he ever suffered. He was made the curse because I sinned. He became the sin bearer on my behalf 
<coughs> Jesus was made sin. Why does the scripture say he was made sin? Because he so shrank from sin in his holy perfection of his manhood and the glory of the Son of God that God Almighty had to make him to be the very thing that so kept Almighty God from you. He made him to be sin. And in those hours when he suffered at the hands of Almighty God, three hours, something we will never be able to enter into, something we will never know. There was a period of time when the sun couldn't shine. As Jesus suffered there for me, thank you, brother. As Jesus was made sin, he cried, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? All the yearnings of a blessed man with a relationship with his father. And as God made him to be sin and left him there alone, he turned his face from him. And the relationship was interrupted. But you know what? 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 And this is why I read Luke. The relationship was restored before he died. And he bore our sins in his own body on the tree. And he suffered at the hands of a holy God. And he came through it alive. And he could say, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. He didn't take your sins into the grave. He died and was buried because that was the penalty for your sins and mine. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. And he was made sin. And therefore being the sin bearer, he had to die. He died for me. He died for you. The judgment of God upon our sins was his suffering. But the penalty of God upon our sins was his death. And there he was on the tree suffering at the hands of Almighty God. And then it says, and this is the bit I've been enjoying for the last 48 hours. <coughs> it says, the veil of the temple was torn in two from the top to the bottom. Who tore the veil? Oh, my friend, God tore the veil. God rented in two. He'd been there behind heaven. But now he could say, I've got a new way where you don't have to do anything. I've put everything, I've invested all in my beloved son. And the veil of the temple was ripped in two. God could come out in blessing. And not only that, but man could go in. Hallelujah. What a saviour God we have. The veil was rent into. God did it. So that he could come out in blessing to you based on what Jesus had done. 
And you know what, my friend? The wrath of Almighty God, the wrath of this perfect, glorious, sinless, righteous God, all his anger, all his wrath was completely exhausted on Jesus. There wasn't one bit left. And Jesus came through it alive. I love, I love where when they're mocking Jesus on the cross, they say, bring yourself down. Satan realized what was going on. And he didn't want Jesus on the cross suffering and dying for you. <clears throat> he realized that if Jesus died, if Jesus was the a sacrifice for sin, if Jesus was the sin bearer, then he lost. But that wasn't all, my friend. He rose from the dead. Can you imagine every force of evil, every demon power, Satan himself trying to stop the tomb from being opened. And up from the grave he arose. The single greatest act of power of God ever in raising Jesus Christ from among the dead. Oh, that made it therefore all applicable to me, the sinner. It made it therefore all applicable to you, the sinner. And one thing I think we forget in the message of the gospel today is that the only qualification you have for being saved is that you're a sinner. You're, if you don't know Jesus and you're sitting in this room today, you're a sinner. And you're on your way to hell and a lost eternity away from God if you don't trust in the finished work of Jesus, his death for me, his resurrection for me, the one who now lives for me and the one who's coming for me. If you don't know him, Friend, let's not make this wishy-washy. If Jesus Christ is not your Lord and Savior, and you die that way, you will die in your sins. And if you die in your sins, you'll be raised in your sins. And if you're raised in your sins, you'll be judged in your sins. And if you're judged in your sins, you will be found guilty. And if you're found guilty, you'll be cast into the lake that burns with fire. Friend, you don't want to go there. Where the worm dieth not, away from God. I had an old auntie that used to live in Cambridge, and the curb side of the road in Cambridge used to be little gullies. And she used to sit there and share the gospel. And she shared this very word with a woman. <coughs> and the woman said to her, Ah, oh, well, if I go there at least, 
I know my father's there. And my auntie said, yes, but you won't love him. If you think you're going to be in hell having one great party after another, you're wrong because the suffering of hell is loneliness and separation from God. I just want to make that very clear this morning. Because our offer is not some place away from God, but some place in his very presence. If God is a saviour to you, and you die, you will meet him as a saviour. You will meet him as a friend. You will meet him as the one who loves you. But if you die in your sins, you will meet him as a judge. The would-nots become the could-nots. And whilst you may have avoided God up to now, oh, there's a day coming where no human being will be able to avoid him anymore. Where do you sit, friend? Is he yours? God has made him to be both Lord and Christ. And God is calling on all men everywhere after overlooking the times of ignorance. God is calling on all men everywhere to repent. Repent. Have you repented? Have you got before God about your sins that cost him his son, our Lord Jesus Christ? Have you got to God? He died for you. He rose for you. He ascended into glory and ever lives to intercede for us. He lives for me. And he's coming for me. Oh, what a wonderful day it was when Jesus came out of the grave. He could say, I lay down my life that I might take it again. The very reason, part of the very reason that he died was that he might come out of death and make it so real to you because when he ascended into glory, the Holy Spirit of God came down to dwell in the hearts of those that love him and there filled him with the glory of the risen man. Oh, what a wonderful man he is. We've often said from this platform, <clears throat> it's not a miracle that he rose. It's a miracle that he died. The Son of God, the originator of life, you slew, having nailed him to a cross. How could the Son of God die for you? He died there. He went into the domain of death. I love it in the, in the <coughs> picture of Lazarus and Jesus staying away for a couple of days. And uh, Martha said, if you'd been here, he would not have died. You see, that wasn't the reason why Jesus came. He didn't come to take away death. He came to vanquish its power. He came that we might have the victory over death. Where, O oh, death, is your sting? Where, O oh, death, your victory? God is provided by coming out and tearing the, the veil in two 
God has come out in blessing in Christ. No longer do I have to do anything. No longer must I keep the law. All that could do was tell me that I was a sinner. It couldn't do anymore. But now in suffering, at the hands of Almighty God, Jesus has taken my sins away. Do you know, friend, he's taken your sins away. He's taken them right away. And God has set us up before himself in Christ as though we'd never sinned. Justified freely by his grace. Oh, what a place. What a place to me to be. Now, what about you? Where are you with God? Do you come to church every Sunday morning and go home again and miss the real point of being here? <coughs> Can you say along with others, I am his and he is mine forever? And forever? Is he yours? Do you just come along for the social interaction with the, the Lord's people? Or you might be learning the Bible. You know, you might be getting to know the scriptures. And you know the f funny thing. Christians are the laziest people today and the unsaved are the most educated. And we're sending educated people to hell and untaught people to glory. If you've come to Jesus and you know him as your own, wouldn't you want to be here for him? Wouldn't you want to put your shoulder to the plow? And if you don't know him, my word, when the day comes that you stand before God, you can tell him you read the scriptures all you like and came to church and did all these good things, but you'll end up in that same place that burns with fire. Oh, sinner, you've got to trust in Jesus. He rose from the dead. The tomb is empty. And God is holding him forth a mercy seat through faith in his blood. And you don't have to do anything. God has done it all. And what God does gets done. How wonderful. Stop trying to tell me that you're working your way into God's favor and God's goodness. And that it's about, you're about right now to trust in Jesus. You're getting better. Because as I said, your only qualification for being saved is that you're a sinner. And just at the right time, God sent his son. And he died for your sins. And he was buried. The man that offended God has gone out of sight from the vision of God forever. That man has gone. The man that offended him. And then Christ has risen from the dead. Hallelujah. And God wants you to put your trust in a risen Christ. The one who vanquished the power of death 
He's bound the strong man. He spoiled his goods. He took the sting of death away by going into it himself. And now, after having hung on that cross and dying there on Calvary's cross and shedding his precious blood for you that you might be saved, that you might be washed forever in that blood most precious. God is saying now to you today in the gospel, what will you do with Jesus? I remember when I got saved, I used to think, how could God save a sinner like me? he, He simply can't know the things I've done. And certainly none of the believers around me could have. And then a dear old man got up in the gospel meeting once, one night and made me want to put my fingers in my mother's ear who was sitting beside me, describing what a sinner he was and how Jesus had saved him. And he said, you know what? God so loved the world. And if God could so love the world, then he could love a sinner like me. He could love a sinner like you and save you and set you up on a road to glory and make a new man out of you and give you every feature that he loves and enjoys in the Lord Jesus Christ and make it yours. I love the verses in Revelation. After those glorious descriptions, of Jesus as the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the one who comes riding on a white horse. How glorious, one that John, the writer, couldn't look at. He comes to the last few verses and he says, I, Jesus. He uses his personal name. I, Jesus. This is the one that didn't just die for us, that wasn't just buried for us, that didn't just rise for us, that doesn't just ever live to intercede for us. He's the one that's coming for us. Jesus is coming again. And the scripture says, let him that hears say, come. If you've heard the message of the glad tidings, And you've trusted in the Lord Jesus as your saviour. Oh, you'll have a desire in your heart by the Holy Spirit for Jesus to come. Too many Christians (coughs) still want to get the house finished. Too many believers still want to get the promotion in their job. Too many believers have got their feet firmly planted on the ground. And God, by the Spirit, wants to hear you say, come. He that hears, say, come. He that is thirsty, say, come. Even he that will. If you're willing, today in the gospel, you can take of the water of life freely. It's yours. He that testified these things said, yes. I come quickly. Jesus Christ is coming again. 
He's coming to take his own away to be with him forever. Are you living your Christian life like Jesus is coming again? Are you walking a walk? You know what? The next imminent event is the return of the Lord Jesus for his own. If you don't believe that as a Christian, you can't be very happy. If you think the trials of tribulation are coming first, then, friend, try and preach that as good news. Because it ain't. The next wonderful event is that Jesus is coming back. And he's coming to take me and those that love him to be with him forever. Friend, if you're squirming inside on the seat where you're sitting, trust the Lord. Trust him right now. Remember that great fire in America when the, the great preacher D.L. Moody was preaching? And on the Sunday night, he said to them, go home now and think about what I've said and come back next week and trust the Lord. And during the week, the great fire wiped out three quarters of the congregation. And they went into a lost eternity without God. Friend, you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You need to trust him today. You need to put your trust in Jesus and live like this day is going to be the last. I remember the time after I'd been saved for a few years when I came to it that I really wanted Jesus to come back. And as you get older, that's all you live for, the imminent return of Jesus. He can fill your life today if you'll just trust him. He wants to be your saviour. He wants to be your friend. And he's risen. And he's taken every enemy, everything that ever got in the way of you and God, he's taken it all away. Let us pray. Father, we thank you that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. Father, in the quietness and solemnity of this moment, we pray that you would work in souls that don't know the Saviour. Father, we thank you for what the Lord Jesus has done. We thank you, O God, for what you have done. We think of those hours of darkness when he bore the wrath of Almighty God. Father, how wonderful that he bore my sins in his own body on the tree. But Father, we thank you that he is out of death and death does never never apply to him again. Death cannot touch him. He's vanquished its power forever. And one day death itself will be thrown into the lake of fire. Father, we pray that if there be anyone here today that doesn't know the Lord Jesus as their own wonderful Lord and Saviour, we pray that they might turn to him today. 
trusting in him, repenting of their sins. Oh, Father, we pray that sinners might repent and trust the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for this day. We thank you for our time together. We bless you, O oh, our God. Pray that you would work in the souls of men and women today. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.